The Bad and Ambitious Podcast is an unfiltered and authentic podcast where I will be discussing topics relating to self-improvement, finance, and relationships. I'm redefining what a bad bitch is, and I'm giving you the tools to be your most well-rounded and confident self. Follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. For up-to-date information and motivational content, follow my Instagram at the Bad and Ambitious Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, baddies. Welcome back to the Bad and Ambitious podcast. On today's episode, I have Phil Triber from Dude Breathe Counseling on, and we're going to talk about men's issues and how to help solve them. He is a licensed psychotherapist and specializes in group practice to help men overcome mental health, relationship, personal growth, and life challenges. Hello, Phil. Good evening. How's it going? Good. So we're going to talk about men's issues, and coincidentally, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. I think a lot of that also people, I feel like women are more open to it, but it's very important for men to have these conversations and for women to also understand that men also have issues. So to start off, can you introduce yourself and talk about what you specialize in and why you got into your work? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you asking me to do this. Um, you know, big passion of mine is speaking about men's psychology and men's issues, because that's exactly what I specialize in. Um, my name is Phil Treber. I am the owner of Dude Breathe Counseling. Um, it's a group practice operated down here in Boca, and that's exactly what we focus on, which is men's issues. So a lot of the work that I do with guys, you know, I work with a lot of couples counselors, guys find me individually, a lot of girlfriends, daughters, sisters, uh, wives, ex-wives, find me specifically to kind of come in and help guide their loved ones to being a better version of themselves. Because you're right, guys, that we are not socialized or trained or allowed to really go into these areas of mental health. Um, so that's something that I built my practice on. It's something that I kind of relates to a little bit of my journey over the years. And it's something that I love doing. You know, I come to work. I don't feel like I'm coming to work. You know, I sit down with my guys, we chop it up, we get into some pretty heavy shit and, you know, I help them to become better versions of themselves. It does come down to, you know, practicing really healthy self-care, obviously, because I'm the tool, but it doesn't really get to me. So I started therapy last November and right now I don't have insurance because I started a new job, Mm. but... I miss my therapist just because I felt like I was always giving him like the tea of my life and it kind of became, <laughs> yeah. like, me just like, you know, updating him on like crazy shit that's happened. And mm-hmm. I specifically chose a man and he's also young. I think he's like 35 or something, but I just needed that male perspective just because I don't know. I just feel like it's different for me as a woman. I mean, that's the thing is like primarily guys usually choose female clinicians because of the way that we're socialized it's much safer quote unquote safer for guys to be vulnerable and authentic with a female because that is inherent to the feminine values right so a lot of times guys do come to me after giving it a shot with female therapists or really understanding that you know my perspective of being an integrated mindful man is something that i can guide them to do because i can literally model and almost coach what it looks like for them to, you know, be different. Yeah. I wonder why I sought out a male therapist. Also, there's not that many either. 
Yeah, no, whereas I, and that's, I always share that as well, you know, being a cisgender, heterosexual, you know, white man in the counseling profession, a lot of times I'll go to like a really big networking event and there's other guys there, but we're not, there's not many of us. Yeah. Not many that's of us good. at all. That's good that you yeah. do this because I think it's very important and it can save lives for sure. A hundred percent. Okay, so also I ask everyone this. What's your definition of a bad bitch from a male therapist perspective? Yeah, this is uh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I have like my own personal feelings of it, you know, because again, like I said, I'm single. So one of the things that I do when I date, I date very intentionally, right? So I actually, this is also something I guide my guys to do as well, which is to come up with like your ideal partner characteristics, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect world. What would this person have and be able to provide for you? And of course, a lot of the guys go pretty superficial with things, but part of that process is actually identifying the personality characteristics that are important. So when it comes down to like using your phrasing of like what a bad bitch means to me, it's someone who, you know, uh, for me personally, right? Like I have a very strong personality. So if I date someone who's passive, it's, you know, even unintentionally, I can start to steamroll in the relationship. So for me, a bad bitch would be someone who knows her worth, has the ability to be assertive and communicate these things. And then also ambition someone who's going to be able to know what they want to do, go for it and, you know, be able to channel, you know, it's also like some of the masculine characteristics of going out there and doing what, you know, traditionally women are not supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. But it really comes down to speaking their voice, speaking their truth and having the capability and the confidence to communicate those things in an effective and healthy way. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. What you said, mm -hmm. that's why the podcast is called Bad and Ambitious, because I think that's also <laughs> my definition. Yep. So let's talk about the male equivalent of that. In your opinion, what's an empowered man? So this is something that I have literally built my entire practice on, right? Because the, the movement now is towards helping men become much more of two different terms, right? We call it either a mindful man or an integrated man, so, right? So the male equivalent of a bad bitch would be a man who you know, does embody a lot of the masculine characteristics, such as strength and you know, wanting to be powerful and ambitious, but then also really encapsulating a lot of what we deem these quote unquote fem uh, feminine uh, identity pieces, right? So the feminine has nothing to do with gender, Right. But it is the, the idea of being able to pull in and have a healthy relationship with their feelings and emotions, be able to process them accordingly, but then also, you know, know when to be a warrior and when not to be. We had there's this guy named Terry Reel who went down to some tribe in Africa and he spoke to the tribal elders and he asked them like what it meant to be a man. And for them, a man is a warrior. Right. But the most important aspect of what they said was a, a good warrior knows when to be a warrior and when not to be. So it's not about just being powerful and strong and assertive and pushing emotions down and just being this like idea of toxic masculinity, which I am not a fan of that phrase at all. Um, but then also to be able to empower themselves to have healthy relationships with their feelings and emotions, be empathetic, be vulnerable, be compassionate. But at the same time, not lose that other healthier masculine side as well. 
Yeah, and I think that a lot of men are scared of love and emotion. The thing that is pushing women away is the thing that I feel like can help the relationship. And men don't, I don't know if they're aware of that, but women... In what, in what, what are you referring to specifically? Vulnerability and not just, yeah. you know, being super intense. and Because there's definitely traits, like you said, feminine and then masculine traits. Like women, the way we communicate with our friends, like we're emotional. But men mm-hmm. are more, in my opinion, more of like being present and like men bond by doing things together and they're not even really talking like sports yeah, or whatever. Tasks. Yeah, it's around yeah. hobbies and sports and things. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. think that we need to there's, kind of yeah. come together and like, you know, compromise on the way we communicate and the way we're supposed to connect with each other. Agreed. Right. And that's and that's a beautiful thing. Right. But you're right, because we like as boys and we're going to get into this, I think, is that we're not socialized to be able to experience emotions and feelings. We are actually socialized and trained either consciously or subconsciously by the women and men in our life, both to push our feelings and emotions down. Because the whole thing is that Liz Plank, who's a feminist writer, she wrote a great book called For the Love of Men. And, you know, she wrote for Vogue and is this big feminist, but she realized that there was this major issue with the men in our society today. And it's an unfinished gender revolution. So in the 60s and 70s, the feminists did great work in identifying how the patriarchy was actually affecting them, which a lot of people don't understand is that the masculine men's psychology world is directly rooted back to the feminist theories. You know, it's not about, you know, male empowerment to push everyone else down. It's the idea that we have to, you know, catch up. Women have done a lot of amazing work and have entered the workforce and have become empowered. And which is why you guys are demanding this higher level of intimacy emotionally and uh, spiritually that a lot of men are not able to provide. And that's the problem is that Mm -hmm. you guys are demanding these things in the relationships, but we were never fucking trained in order to actually do it. Right. And it's yeah. really scary for guys to actually start to lean into that because it goes and, against the, ma- the masculine code. Yeah. And I think a lot of men don't have examples of this, you know, ideal man that can do both. And a lot of people didn't grow up with fathers. A lot of women didn't grow up with fathers, women overcompensating and they're becoming like toxic feminine. And it's just it can get very messy. And then this causes mm-hmm. trauma, this causes cycles. And then I feel like people aren't really working toward a solution. They're kind of just like letting things happen. And I think our generation is, we're very aware or we're trying to be more aware of like our shortcomings and agreed. we're kind of breaking traumatic cycles that have happened for, you know, centuries, I guess. Thousands of years. Right? Yeah. But exactly. the thing is like, you're right because it's this toxic idea, this toxic femininity, right? Because true feminists, true feminists, support men right this whole man-hating thing of it they're truly not feminists right there's this feminist writer bell hooks and she's written written some really great books specifically one called the will to change where she is a die-hard you know like flag-waving feminist who is in support of helping men this whole man-hating thing or a lot of women say like all men are dogs etc etc right it does come down to the the guys they're picking yeah 100 percent yeah, sure. absolutely. It's, yeah. And it's like, you know, they keep choosing these specific guys. They go into these relationships with guys who are not available or aren't healthy themselves. And sometimes it's just their pickers. Sometimes it is. 
they want to blame everyone else, but then they don't want to kind of admit that they're the ones that are willingly constantly like choosing this for themselves. Yep. Yeah. It's and people don't want to hear that. Right. It's the same thing. I tell these guys, right. They're keep, they, they keep choosing a specific type of female partner. And I'm like, well, what are you expecting from these type of people? It's not going to work. So what are the issues that you see are common that men face that, you want people to know that men face them, but they're kind of scared to admit to it because guys come to you with their problems, but they know they're like, they're not coming to everyone else with their problems. Like, what is it that you see? I mean, it's a lot of it is the stuff that we already know, right? It is the fact that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the guys that come to see me, right. They're having relationship problems, you know, and it does come down to, you know, she wants me to be more vulnerable. She wants me to communicate more. Or, you know, she wants to actually engage in foreplay and be more intimate and touching and things like that, right? As opposed to just having sex. A lot of it is the relationship stuff. A lot of it is masculine identity. You know, guys, you know, not many of us are taught how to actually have healthy self-esteem, right? It's performance-based self-esteem. It's attribute-based self-esteem. It's other-based self-esteem. And all of these things are self-esteem based on external factors, right? So like the whole idea is that a lot of these guys adhere to these identity pieces that actually aren't really true or good and they struggle with that. You know, so it is a lot of the relationship stuff. A lot of it has to come down to peer groups and friends, right? Like these guys don't really have solid groups of guys around them and they get into a relationship and they let them go by the side and then they go through a breakup or a divorce and they have nobody, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't value these relationships with their boys or their peers specifically guys who can actually meet them where they're at and provide to them what they need and you know they're lost yeah it's a combination of like all the standard stuff including all the substance abuse and gambling and sex addiction and all that other stuff as well because that's just all unhealthy ways of trying to cope with their needs not being really met yeah and i from my perspective like men don't have deep friendships like men have friends that they've had since they were like two years old right but yeah. it's like surface level and yeah men, because we're also we're taught not to go deep yeah and right. it's just like so sad to me that a lot of men suffer and a lot of men deal with loneliness there's a higher risk of suicide in men and highest risk yeah and people always wonder like oh my god why did that happen but it's like people didn't notice or they didn't know the signs or something, but it happens mm-hmm. so much. No, the high, the highest rates of suicide are in middle-aged to older men. It's not the LGBTQ plus community. It's not women. It's not people of color. It's none of those things. It's middle-aged to, you know, to middle-aged to older men. We don't talk about that, right? Nobody cares, right? It's this whole idea is that like, you know, we're the evil ones. Meanwhile, we have the highest rates of murder right? We have the highest rates of death by suicide, highest rates of substance abuse, right? Suffering and silence with covert depression. And all of these issues that men are facing trickle down to the rest of our socialization or our society and the rest of the world. If we focus more on the pain of men, we wouldn't have most of the problems that we have, right? I mean, look, you look at the school shootings, right? It's literally been deemed by sociologists as a white man disease. You look at the shootings over the past, like, you know, 15, 20 years, one, they're almost all men, like 98% men, and by a far margin, white, right? 
but the thing is, like, we don't talk about that. I mean, of course, it does come down to a gun control thing, but I'm not going to get into all that you know, political stuff, right? Yeah. But it's the pain of white men. It's the pain of men in general, right? It's the way that they don't have an ability to channel and really identify their feelings and emotions, and they're becoming radicalized, right? It's the same exact thing as, you know, ISIS. It's the same exact thing. And they end up, you know, taking these drastic measures in a way of being heard or really victimizing, you know, people around them by externalizing their own pain they're having inside. Yeah. So where does the pain come from? So obviously, childhood, oh, but chicken, chicken or the egg. Yeah. I mean, that's it's that's an enormous question. But, you know, it really, I think, comes down to the socialization process that we go through as boys. Right. On my Instagram, I am uh, this week, I'm actually going to be doing a series of short reels focusing on the work of David and Brandon, um, which are which were two men psychologists in the uh, late 70s. And it's really just going through the actual tenets of what masculinity is. You know, one of them is uh, give them hell. Right. We have to be aggressive and competitive on and off the field. Uh, another one's the sturdy oak which is like, we cannot show any emotion. We have to be strong physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, another one's no sissy stuff, which is the fact like we cannot show any emotion whatsoever or else we would be demonized. Um, the other one's the big wheel, I think. Yeah, it's the big wheel, which is that we have to be powerful. We have to be self-sufficient. And all of these things start from a very, very young age, right? The, the difference between emotionality between the ages of four and six for boys and girls is exactly the same, right? We show the exact same levels of emotions. After the age of six, girls continue to keep expressing emotions. After the age of six, boys, it drops off dramatically because we hear things like, don't be a girl, be a big boy. And it literally teaches us to shove all these parts of our humanity down and literally cleave off and shun anything that can be perceived as feminine which is vulnerability, which is communicating, which is empathy and compassion, which is identifying our feelings and emotions, communicating these things. So from the beginning, we are taught to not be full humans. And then that trickles out into the fact that our parents are doing this subconsciously to us, right? Even mothers, without even knowing it, use less type of emotional language with their sons than their daughters do. Fathers use way more feelings words with their daughters they do with their sons. The teasing and the aggressive behavior is way more with their sons. And God forbid if, you know, like the son was actually raised somewhat appropriately and taught to communicate himself, you better not fucking do that outside the house because his peers, coaches, other parents, society is going to shun him for that. We have to stay within what we call the boy box. If we violate the boy code, which then becomes the man code, right? We will be shunned. We will be ostracized. We will be called a pussy or a faggot, right? And that by far is the worst possible thing that can happen, right? And I'm not using those, you know, terms derogatively, but that's mm -hmm. exactly what the fear is, that somehow we will be perceived as less of a man. Our masculinity is precarious. It can be taken away at any time. So we always have to police ourselves and we're policed by other people, specifically around other men, right? To show that we are masculine. You know, I always bust my buddy's chops because, you know, like I'm pretty fit but they have like really big muscles. And I asked them, who are those for? Are those for the women? Or are those really just to assert your own masculinity or in the gym around other men? 
they, I bust their chops about it, but really all that kind of stuff is just for other men, not for the women, right? But it yeah. comes down to the way that we're socialized. Yeah, I saw something that said that women's biggest fear, I don't know how true this is, but women's biggest fear is to get like assaulted physically. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you know, as a woman, I do fear that even if I walk like a street away outside, like I feel like I'm going to get snatched because it does happen. It's a valid fear. But men's biggest fear is to be humiliated. And I can definitely see how that is scary for a man. Women are compared to each other with beauty standards, like who's ugly and who isn't, or like who's skinny, who's fat, whatever. But I think for men, you know, being like feminine or whatever, or weak is how they get made fun of. And women, there's around it. Like we can wear makeup or, you know, it's different. Like women, their beauty is like, there's a spectrum of it. Yeah, because the thing is, like, it, there's no, like, in the realm of words, right, like, there's no exact, like, uh, transferable word for, like, for men, we can be deemed as effeminate, right? There's no word for the, for femininity that would be derogatory in that way, right? Even, like, masculine is still okay, right? Because the thing is, is that, like, you know, uh, Esther Peril, um, and I'm looking for the quote right now, right? is that, you know, she said, she's like, you know, we're not, you know, you guys are born women, right? We become men. It's not something that we're born with. It's something that we have to continually keep asserting within the area. And if we are vulnerable and if we are deemed as, you know, humiliated or something along those lines from like a sociological standpoint from thousands of years ago, right? We would not be able to, and this is a little crude, but it's science, Right. If we were the lowest of the low within a tribe, we were not procreating or passing on our genes, nor are we going to be fed. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is that like it does come down to that, like biological standpoint to a point. Right. We have to look at that factor as well. But also, even in the pecking order of our society, if I'm not fully a man or I'm not adhering to what this traditional masculine ideal is, then I'm going to be perceived as feminine or less than. Right. And really, the humiliation is really tied very closely to the idea of vulnerability. Yeah, that's it's crazy because the problems that women have are just so different than what men have. Yeah. But we both need to recognize and meet each other in the middle and like be willing to listen, because for me, that's the problem. And women Mm -hmm. are also contributing to this issue as well, because a lot of women, they make fun of men when they cry. Also, So even me as a woman, maybe that's why I feel more comfortable having a male therapist, but I've had a friend when I opened up to her about something that I was dealing with, I was, I think I was crying about something. I don't even think it was about anything like deep, but she's Mm -hmm. like, cry, like, oh, like, don't cry. And I got so fucking triggered. Like, I'm sorry that you have been told to not, you know, show your emotions, but I'm going to show my emotions. And now I know like, she's not a safe person to talk to about stuff right but i could imagine that like for men you know if they're trying and then they get shut down by a woman or a man that it can be very hard brutal thing is like yeah if we if we feel like the for men for most men right this is generally speaking right if we are to take the risk and show emotion to someone and we take that massively massively vulnerable risk and we are shut down that could potentially cause a guy to never show emotion again, 
or never connect, right? You see this all the time with guys who go through like brutal breakups, right? They, they allow their emotions to come out. They allowed this person into their lives and were viciously hurt by them. Same thing with women too. And then we close up, right? We erect these rigid boundaries and these rigid walls around ourselves to, because if I open myself up and get hurt again, I'm going to experience that pain again. And we can't do that. You yeah, can't do that. It, we're not, we're not going to be able to experience the full spectrum of love and hurt and loss, but also joy and happiness and ecstasy and pleasure and passion if we're not allowing ourselves to embrace all those sides of our humanity. Yeah, when breakups happen, men act like they're going to die. Like they, from how I've seen it growing up, women, we cry, we get over it right away. We have friends, they go out, whatever. Mm -hmm. Men act like they're okay in the beginning, but then I think they process things later, but then they act like they're dying and like they never ever let women in again. And that's when they become fuckboys. That's like their beginning of like their villain story. But when mm-hmm. just like I guess we're more open, more open to getting hurt. Like I'm not scared of being hurt. I think maybe that's right. like, I'm a woman and I know how to reach those emotions. And I've seen it. You know, women I think we're expected to be kind of like shitted on by men. So maybe that's just like why we're more used to it. Or but yeah, but that's the, yeah. I mean, and that's not fair in itself, right? Because the whole idea is that like again, most men are not in touch with these sides of themselves. Most men are not capable of actually identifying these feelings and emotions, so they mistreat people, right? It's where it's like, you know, dating, you know, like I said, I'm single and, you know, being a guy who is really in touch with his feminine side, who can express and communicate feelings, right? A lot of the times, some of the women that I've dated, they don't know what to do with that, right? Like my last uh, serious relationship, like ended this past summer, was my choice right? Because she was trying to bait me into arguing. She wanted me to yell back, right? That was the way that she knew how to communicate because that's the way that she was trained from like her childhood, but also all the other relationships with all the shit bags that she had dated in the past. And I wouldn't engage in it, right? I would say like, hey, listen, like, let's take five, 10 minutes, go for a walk, let's breathe and come back and communicate like adults. And she didn't know what to do with it, right? So even if a guy is in touch with those things, that also can create friction within the relationship because, again, it's such a new experience for most women to be in a relationship with a guy who is going to be able to actually be vulnerable and communicate those things, right? Yeah, women think, a lot of women think, like, if you're being too good, that it's like a red flag. Yeah, which that's such, that's wild, right? Yeah, like, they're not used to it, and, like, I've seen it before, with women people both sides sabotage the relationship because i think that they're both hurt but i think people also need to recognize like okay where do i lack in life like the way i act at work the way i act with my friends like how i show up and you know communicate in conflict like i realized that growing up my mom would always and mind you my mom is a psychologist but of course no one's perfect and no we usually we, we usually end up fucking our kids up anyway for me, I was the one that had to be like, okay, when I'm arguing, like with my ex or whatever, like, I would, I realized like something clicked in me. I'm like, why is it like when we argue, I'm ready to just like walk away and not talk about it. And mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, I need to like sit in this discomfort and communicate no matter what the outcome is, if he, you know, shows up emotionally or not, that's not my problem, but I'm going to do what I can do. And that's where, you know, I feel like I grew and you have to just recognize, like, hey, this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And you figure it out. Like, that's, I think, the responsibility we have as adults. And 
a lot of women can be toxic. And I think a lot of men also when they're in relationships and it's something toxic, like they don't want to admit that they are kind of being like, I guess, manhandled by like a woman, you know? And that's where it's like when I work with guys, you know, I, I work with a lot of couples counselors to kind of help these guys actually be able to get to a place of identifying what they're experiencing. Right. Because like you said before, you know, when guys go through breakups, they crumble. Right. And a lot of times it's because they don't know what they're experiencing. They don't know the feelings and the emotions and the sensations that they're experiencing because we've never been taught to deal with those things. Right. It actually comes down to like a level of emotional intelligence that most men don't have. So the same thing, it's like, again, like I can see a couple here in my office and the guy is, you know, the woman's kind of yelling at him, like, why won't you communicate? You're so cold. You're so standoffish. But most of the time, it's not because he's trying to be a dick. Most of the time, it's because he literally doesn't know what's going on inside. And mm-hmm. then, the, you know, the partner says, like, communicate, tell me how you're feeling. And if he can't identify what he's feeling, how is he possibly going to be able to communicate that to his partner? So, like, literally, that's one of the things, like, when it comes to men's work and men's issues as a, as a male therapist, most therapists don't know how to work with men appropriately, right? This space here is inherently feminine. Men coming into therapy is terrifying because this is literally coming in to do and talk about what's going on in their lives and be vulnerable is completely counter to everything that we have been taught our entire lives. So then when the therapist who's not been trained in men's issues, specifically the way that I've trained myself and done trainings too, what's the first question that a therapist usually asks somebody when they sit down on the couch? how are you feeling? Right. How are you, how do you feel about being here? That is a loaded question. Most guys don't even know what they're experiencing, let alone being asked that most vulnerable, terrifying question directly out of the gate. Right. And it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. To where it's like a lot of the way that I work with men in affect is that's not a question I'm asking them for a while. Right. That's after a couple sessions and we're talking about what's going on in life and I'm giving them some practical guidance about things they can do to kind of help solve some problems because that's ultimately what most men are. We're problem solvers. Yeah. And then after a time, then we get into the feelings and emotion stuff. Or if they start to get emotions and start to show those in session, I'm stopping. I'm like, all right, man, what's that? What's up? You know, and they're like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, man, where do you feel it in your body? A lot of it's affect work. And a lot of the work that I do is actually training guys to be able to use feeling words to the point where like they have this pit in their stomach and we're talking about it, talking about it. I'm like, yeah, dude, that sounds like guilt to me. They're like, oh, that's what guilt is. Or if it's, you know, shame or anxiety or fear or, you know, whatever it might be. It's literally about connecting those physical sensations in their body to what's going on in their brain because we never learned that. You guys learned that. We didn't. So we're behind the eight ball on that one. So are you saying that, okay, so for me and women, I feel like it's like a trait for women to be like, oh my God, like I'm nervous or like I have anxiety. But do you think Mm -hmm. also feel anxiety, but no one knows because they don't even know that it's happening because you don't really see men freaking out, you know, social things like men are just usually chill or like, you know what I mean? Like they're very, they're just panicking inside. They just got gotten really good about shoving it down and then it just boils out and they end up drinking, drugging cheating on their partners, gambling, overeating, overexercising. It just gets channeled into some other type of thing. But you're right. There's this clinical term. It's, it's, a, it's a mouthful. It's called normative male alexithymia, right? 
So alexithymia is actually in a, a full, you know, clinical diagnosis to where someone literally does not have the ability to experience the feelings and sensations within their body, right? So they come off very wooden, very shut down, right? Yeah. So normative male alexithymia doesn't mean that it's normal. It's just that it's normative because we have seen it so much is the fact that men, most men generally do not have the ability to recognize the feelings that they're experiencing, right? And this comes down to a number of different theories, right? To where it's like they have these pretty significant physical sensations of nervousness, of anxiety, depression, sadness, fear, excitement, whatever it might be, even happiness and joy, but they don't have the verbal coding to actually put their finger on it and label it, right? So they have the experience, they just don't recognize it as that thing. And there's two theories behind it. One theory is that throughout the socialization process as boys, right, we are not taught the verbal coding. So we actually don't have that connection in our brain from our limbic system, where a lot of our feelings and emotions are, to our cortex, to where we can actually think and logically reason about these things, right? The other side of it is, is that because we never were socialized to that, we were never actually able to experience and learn what those things are in another way too but the whole idea is that we were never able to identify and develop the emotional intelligence which is by far a better predictor of life you know satisfaction and success than uh iq um so therefore it literally it hamstrings us when we come into these things like relationships but then they just rely on all of those heavier masculine ideals such as competitiveness aggressiveness assertiveness, shutting down, running away, much more of like very closer to our reptilian brain. Do you think that men want change or do you think they're hesitant because a lot of women are the ones that are pushing them to, you know, get help and everything? It's hard and it's terrifyingly scary to them. But a lot of the times, like, you know, one of the things that I just released on my Instagram profile was that I, I did a 16 page PDF. It's free completely free. If people just go to my Instagram and, and click on my link tree, um, they can just put their email in and it just gets sent to them, right? It's eight ways and it covers a lot of what I'm talking about in this podcast about how to talk to men going to therapy, right? Because a lot of it is from the female perspective. A lot of the ways we can do that is to say like, hey, you know, we're fighting a lot. Let's do this for the kids. Or, hey, you know, you the quid pro quo. You know, you, you know, you keep watch, wanting me to watch the game with you or go do this activity. You know, this is something that I will do for you if you go to therapy and get help. Guys recognize the fact that they're trying, the way that they've been approaching their life isn't working. The problem is that we haven't given them a really good, healthy opportunity or alternative to do something different. And that's exactly what our society and our generation is really trying to do. We really don't have a good alternative. There isn't like a single model of what it looks like to how to become an integrated mindful man. It's something that we're still figuring out. I think we're going to be figuring it out for the next like 20, 30 years. But the thing is that they do recognize that if I don't get this help, my partner's going to leave me. If I keep drinking, I'm going to die, right? All of those things they recognize, but to actually ask for help and be vulnerable goes against the socialization and this idea of what a man needs to be. But plenty of guys come into my office, right? I, to the point where I actually had to hire a contractor and someone underneath me to help out with all the business coming in. 
because guys are recognizing and it's becoming more acceptable for them to seek help. The thing is, they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. But thank God there's people, you know, like me and some of my colleagues that know how to guide these guys to being better versions of themselves. But they want to change. A lot of guys do. Some guys don't. Right. They just want me to solve their problems. But I tell them, like, dude, I'm like, I can't help. I can't do it for you. Right. Yeah. Do you think that the whole idea of men and their expectation to provide and protect can be toxic because that goes into play with being workaholics or being, you know, like being the protector to like beat someone's ass? Sure. You think yeah, that- the protector and the provider role. Yeah, because the thing is, like, if you we look at like these massive, like in Japan, they went through an economic crisis. I think in the early two thousands, right? Suicides on men skyrocketed, right? Same thing happened in the Great Depression, you know, here in the United States in the thirties, because they were not able to actually uphold the expectation that they're supposed to be providers, right? Even in today's day and age, a lot of women have entered the workplace and become the primary breadwinners. That's a great thing. Run it, right? Thank God. But the whole idea is that because we still, a lot of guys hold on to these traditional ideals and these traditional relationship ideals of where the man needs to be the breadwinner, they don't know what else they could do to provide. So now with the whole phrase that we try to push and use out there is this whole idea of co-provider, Right. Most of my guys, when we talk about being a provider, it automatically goes financially. Meanwhile, and then I challenge them. I'm like, so you're telling me that you're a chick at home, you know, taking care of the kids, taking care of all the household chores, you know, doing all that stuff. She's not providing or contributing. And when I phrase it to them that way, they're like, oh, shit. I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, you can't just because like right now you're out of work. That means that you can't provide to the home. You can't be there. You can't help out. You can't do those things. And it's really challenging this long-held belief that has been around for hundreds of years. But the other side of it, like being that protector, right? Like even in today's day in society, man, what does that even mean? You know, with the school shootings and all the terrible, horrible things that are happening in this country and around this world, it really does come down to, it's like, okay, well, it is like redefining what it means to be the protector, right? It really does. But that's when it comes down to also the idea is that, yeah, you know, a lot of people want to hold on to the traditional like relationship roles, you know, where the man goes out and works and the woman stays at home. Cool. Whatever. As long as both people in the relationship are cool with that, why change it? If they're happy and their marriage is happy and their kids are happy and healthy and everything's fine. OK, cool. But a lot of people don't want that. So it does come down to like this idea of like, you know, when to be a warrior and when not to be. You know, and and unfortunately, a lot of women don't know how to interact with men that way because of the men that they were exposed to with their brothers, uncles, fathers, et cetera, didn't exhibit that either. So sometimes it does come down to like the woman, you know, does, you know, demand and really want this higher level of intimacy from their partner. But then when the man actually starts to like show up that way, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so how can women foster that? And what do you think women are doing wrong? Like, what do the guys in therapy kind of vent to you about? Hmm. Or that's a that's should, a tough one. What should women start doing then? More of? Maybe, like, being appreciative in a certain way that you think that men have a need, but they don't want to really admit to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it will, what comes to my mind is the love languages, 
right? Like a lot of the times, like there's this massive study that was done. I think it was either 12,000 12, or 13,000 heterosexual couples in this study, right? And they looked at a variety of different things. Um, you know, one of the things was like uh, satisfaction in their sexual relationships. You know, it was a huge indicator of how much sex the, the couples were having and how happy they were with their sex life. But household chores being done by the ones that you actually preferred to do. Oh, I think I heard about this. Yeah. So the thing is, like, so if the man likes to do laundry and the wife is doing it or the partner's doing it and she hates it, but that's what she's supposed to do because she's a woman, your sex life is going to suffer from that. Right. Like personally, I love vacuuming and mopping. It makes my brain feel good. I don't mind doing laundry either. Right. But the thing is, like, so if I'm, you know, cohabitating with a female partner and she hates doing that shit and I start doing it, it's going to improve our sex life that way. But on the other side of that study, the other thing that they found was. Who do you think it was most important to in the relationship to have like physical touch, like hugging, kissing, stuff like that? I would originally want to say like a woman but i think men need that yes it was by far much more important to the male partner in heterosexual relationships to be like lovey cuddly kissing etc cetera, etc cetera, right butt grabbing whatever right but the thing is we aren't allowed to ask for that hmm. we are not able to say or like within the, the guy code of the man code of being able to be over and like be huggy kissy and touchy feely and stuff it's not we're not allowed to so how do you think that we get that need met? Sex. Yeah. Okay. That is the only time that we are able to, and it's acceptable for us to ask for those other more quote unquote feminine or softer needs to be met through like the cuddling and doing things like that. And even then guys like, you know, you hear women like, oh, he won't cuddle me and gets out of bed and goes plays video games after we're done having sex or something like that. Right. Yeah. But the thing is like, they, we want that desperately. Yeah. We're human beings too. Some men don't know how to warm the woman up with the foreplay that I think women need in mm -hmm. communicating. A hundred percent. A thousand percent, right? Because the thing is, like, it comes down to, like, if you look at the way that sex is talked about in our society and how each individual gender, right, we're talking just traditional masculine and feminine, right? We're all sexual beings. Right. And it's the same thing with the double standard. Right. A guy goes out there and sleeps with a bunch of women. He's a stud. Right. A woman goes out there and explores her sexuality and sleeps with a bunch of different men. What is she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a hoe or a slut. Right. Yeah. Which is complete. Which is completely fucked. Right. It's a complete. It's a horrible double standard. Right. But then when we come back and look at it. Right. It's this whole idea of like, it's the both needs are not really being met within the relationship, right? Women in, in the same thing, like them embracing their sexuality and asking for what they want in the bedroom, that there's a resistance to that, right? There's a resistance to that because if they do that, then they're a slut. But then if a guy goes in, right? And the only way that like, you know, we're taught, we're taught to conquest, right? I mean, you hear guys in the locker room saying like, oh, yo, I banged her, dude, and he gets high fives, Right. That's the way that we are also socialized to attempt and look at intimacy, but neither partner is being really having their needs met that way, which is why when I talk to my guys or couples, communication within the bedroom and about their sexual needs to be met is vitally important. Mm -hmm. But really what it's hard to really, you know, how to actually broach those topics for uh, the female partner to make it more comfortable for the guy to let these things out.
because she's fighting against hundreds of years of socialization, right? Now, the thing is, like, with my guide that I put out there, like, you know, it does come down to where sometimes there's some flexing that needs to go on on the female side, right? To where it's like, hey, like, if you don't do this, I might leave, right? Lay it on the line. That's the eighth thing. I dedicated an entire page in the PDF to that because that's a significant step, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it does come down to like, hey, like, you know, if you do this, I'll do that, right? Within reason, not sexually. No, 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 no we're not doing that. But, um, you know, it's like the quid pro quo, you know, talking about, hey, like, you know, you've wanted to do this for a while. I know how unhappy you are and, you know, really helping guiding guys to, you know, get into therapy to work on these things. Even oh. the short of that, you know, like group therapy, you know, going in and finding different hobbies to do, you know, all these different things can help facilitate, you know, guys talking about this stuff. Also, women also don't have firm boundaries. And like you said, that if they don't go that they're going to leave a lot of women don't leave and then they and and, these yep. men and then it just keeps on happening and that's literally why i dedicate an entire page in my guide on this because the thing is right a lot of women will give that ultimatum if you don't do this i'm going to leave and then they don't do it and they don't leave what message does that give the guy yeah you can say whatever you want but you're not going to do anything i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing and that's why I dedicated the whole entire page, because like if you do that and you don't follow through. Right. And of course, it's, it's everyone's individual decision to do this. Right. There's no one size fits all. Right. It's, it's individualized to every single situation. But ultimately, that's just going to continue the behavior, if not continue to enable it, which is brutal. Right. Especially when kids are involved. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. Right. And that's why it's like I don't I don't never tell my guys what to do. Right. I can make suggestions I'm like, hey, dude, like maybe think about divorce. Right. And we explore that. But I'm never going to tell them directly what to do that way because it's not my place to do so as a clinician. The whole yeah. idea is to guide them to these decisions and explore these things from multiple different angles. And then just really honestly see if we can get the writing on the wall. Yeah. People need to also want it for themselves. Like you can't force because I feel like if you're right. doing it just for you as a woman, that's really not the right headspace you're doing it in and the right intention you need to do well, it yeah for the man well, it, to be better yes Ult ultimately yes the the motivation needs to be internal right it's in the internal versus external motivators a lot of people enter into treatment or therapy with major external motivators right it's mm -hmm. gonna be punishment consequences reward right but at some point throughout that process it does flip you know, a lot of the guys that come to see me that I've been seeing for years initially came to see me because if they didn't, they were going to suffer from significant consequences. But at some point along it, they start to see that their life is shifting and changing. Their life is improving either dramatically at the time or incrementally over time. But the thing is that over time for the change to actually stick, you're right. It needs to be done for them. But a lot of guys and a lot of people enter into therapy or treatment because if they don't, there's going to be significant consequences for them. So that can be something that's part of the process, right? But if they're only doing it for those external reasons and it doesn't shift internally, yeah, a lot of that stuff is not going to hold. Mm -hmm. I also have a question about the way people communicate, because I've also learned this, that you shouldn't say, you made me feel this way, whatever, whatever. Like, oh, for thank you for saying that. Yep. Yeah, like men don't like confrontation. I don't think anyone likes confrontation, but like we said, women are more used to communicating. 
and just like acting crazy or whatever, or like just, you know, express themselves that can be deemed as emotional or whatever. But Mm -hmm. then what, how do you suggest to talk to a man? So the thing, so and this is something I do with my guys as well, right? So it's called the feedback loop, right? So you're right. We never, ever, ever say you made me feel or you make me feel this way. No one makes you feel shit, right? It's time for our society to start taking some responsibility for this stuff, right? I'm, I'm not big on triggers, right? The whole time, the, the entire point is not to bubble wrap the world to protect yourself from it. No, it's this internal things that we need to develop the right coping mechanisms and tools and perspectives in order to actually function out here, right? Now, that's, that's within reason. But yeah, nobody ever makes us feel anything, right? The minute you point your finger at somebody or you talk to them and say, you made me feel this way, they are automatically going to be on the back foot and be defensive, right? So the framework that I use with my people is this is it's a simple framework, right? It's when you dot, 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 I feel or felt dot, 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 right? We're not, we're not blaming them for the way that we're feeling. We're just pointing out a fact of their behavior. And then we follow that up with us owning our emotions and feelings, right? So let me give an example. Let's say I'm living with a woman and I leave earlier for her from work. And before I'm leaving the house, I'm like, hey, babe, make, you know, can you take the garbage out when you leave? And she goes, yeah, yeah, no problem, right? Okay, and then I come back earlier because she leaves later than I do. And I come in and the house smells like garbage, right? And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? She never listens to me, blah, 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 everything else, right? Now she comes home. Now, if I was to communicate like, hey, you lied to me, you told me to take the garbage out, you did it, and you, you really make me feel like you never listened, it's never going to go well, right? Yeah. But if I come to her and say like, hey, like, you know, when you said that you would take out the garbage and didn't, I felt unheard, I felt a little frustrated because you said that you do this and you didn't, right? It's just, I'm just pointing out facts. Right now, that, that, that does not mean that my partner is not going to communicate or, you know, healthily to that. She still could become defensive. But the whole idea is that I'm taking ownership of my feelings, pointing out a specific thing that somebody did. So I'm not making up stories. I'm not embellishing on these things. Right. I'm just pointing out the fact that, hey, you said you take out the garbage and didn't. And then I feel frustrated by that. And I'm also feeling unheard. Like you just weren't listening to me. You're not playing the victim either. No, I'm not. I'm taking responsibility for my emotions, right? And like I, I talk to guys about this stuff in the beginning of sessions, and they do that with their partners, and they come back like a week or two later, and they're like, hey, man, like it went a lot differently this time. We didn't get into an argument, right? Maybe a little spitting back and forth, you know? But in the beginning, just communicating like really healthily and effectively that way, people are more open to that, especially if our tone is different, right? You know, if I'm coming to her like upset, or resentful and angry that's going to come across my voice but if i talk in like a decent tone it's like hey like when you said you take the garbage out and didn't you know i I feel frustrated and you know unheard right like you just you know you're just kind of discounting what i said yeah and a lot of times when people fight it's really not about the actual issue that they're fighting about it's like something else that they're trying to say in other words but people should just learn to admit what is making them upset like if a girl is upset that the guy is working a lot it's because because she'll be like oh like you work too much whatever blaming him but it's not like oh 
she could just say, I feel like you're not giving me enough attention or, you know what I mean? It's like about mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But that's scary to do. Right. Actually speaking our mind and communicating, going directly to the point is scary. Right. It's a lot easier to start an argument about something, which is like, you know, again, not highly emotionally intelligent, but it's tough for people to do that. It's tough for people to put themselves out there. But also, we're also assuming that they actually can get to the point to where they can identify what the actual problem is. Yeah. A lot of times people just pick up on little little bullshit and just blow it completely out of proportion when you're right. It is related to a much deeper issue. Yeah. So what yeah. are the things that men can find worth in that are not work-related accomplishments, related accomplishments, wins? Because for women, our worth is, you know, different. And it's like you're being kind, like you showed up for this person or whatever, you know what I mean? For men, how is it well, different? Thing, well, men can have that too. Yeah, exactly. Right? A hundred percent, right? But it does come down to, instead of looking externally and outside of ourselves for our value and worth, right, which is precarious and can be taken away at any time, guys need to go internally, right? The whole idea is that it's not about you know, doing or having or being X, Y, or Z in order to be good enough. It is that ultimate like fact of that within their humanity, they're perfectly imperfect and okay, just the way that they are. It's not this thing that they continue to have to keep working towards. It's something that they already have inside of them. And a lot of times for me as a clinician, it is just pulling the shit out of the way and pulling the blocks out of the way or helping them do that so they can see that. You know, they can see that the fact is like, you know, the difference between a real man and a good man, right? Those are very, very different definitions. But a lot of times it's like, hey, man, like you're a good dude. You've been acting like an idiot, right? You're a decent man who's been acting indecently for a long time. Like, can you, can you let me help you, right? That's a big part of it to really understand that these things are already inside of them and they don't have to look externally for them. That's, That's a tough one for guys. I think guys also don't get appreciated enough because women are more used to like thanking people in different ways within each other, but they expect men to do certain things that are, I guess, action-based and they're not. Mm -hmm. And I think men really need that. That's why men are always like trying to show up for that appreciation and for that validation. Yeah, no, we need validation and pats on the head too, right? Like I joke around, you know, when I'm dating, right. You know, well, because I'm also, you know, dating as a therapist is always the difficult one, right? Because girls are like, are you psychoanalyzing me right now? I'm like, kind of, yeah. So I can't turn it off, right? But it is, I, I say, I was like, hey, listen, like, you know, you know, I'm not above, you know, gas me up. Tell me I'm looking good today, right? Pat me on the head and tell me I'm a good boy once in a while, right? And I see that in session, right? I, I've been seeing this guy for a long time, right? And he's never, he doesn't receive that in his current relationship, right? It's actually quite toxic. His wife cuts him down a lot. And, you know, I do this with a lot of my guys, right? I'll say like, if they make a good decision or they behave in a different way than they normally do, man, I'm like, Hey dude, good for you, man. I'm proud of you for that. And I can see the change in their emotions on their face just from a simple little thing. Like, Hey dude, I'm proud of you for that, man. That's a win, right? You've been struggling with X, Y, or Z for so long and you, you didn't engage in it or you did something different, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you, man. And yeah. if you can see the emotions and the, their facial expressions change with that, 
because we're not beyond that as well, man. Everybody wants to know that they're doing a good job or at least trying and have that recognized, right? That's a big thing is like, you know, even with like female partners, if a guy is struggling to make a change, right? Like, let's say he's, uh, you know, uh, trying to lose a little weight, right? And she, you know, he comes and, you know, and she says, you know, know, a week later, she's like, hey, like, I, I recognize you're trying really hard and I'm proud of you for that, right? Just to give him some validation and some, you know, instead of putting the sword down, if he's trying to change something and continually keeps kind of struggling with it, if he's trying, fucking pat him on the head, right? Tell him you recognize, hey, I understand you're still struggling, but you're trying. I'm proud of you for that. You know, you can't keep the sword and shield in your hands while he's trying to make differences. I think the expectation for change needs to really be moved, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just keep beating the shit out of a guy for something he did in the past. It's not good especially if he's actually you can see some type of change or he's trying to yeah if if men don't have other people telling them stuff like that they should learn to feel more comfortable to tell them tell that stuff to themselves like i always tell myself my affirmations and tell myself like i'm a bad bitch and like i can do this or whatever but Mm. men i don't think they're used to that but they also need to give themselves credit and that's the point like they can't keep on looking for validation from other people their girls their wives they need to also give that to themselves like a lot of men 100 percent their own credit right i mean that's yeah i mean i'm not above like getting ready in the morning and if i'm feeling good and if you know i got my tan on i lifted that morning like i got got no problem looking in the mirror and be like damn i'm a snack right (laughs) you know because that's it's like it's so important but the thing is that again that takes time to do you're right. We need to be able to learn to internally validate and understand that like, Hey man, I'm doing a good job. I'm trying, or, you know, a lot of that comes down to inner child work, right. Which I do with guys, which they roll their eyes and they hate it. Cause it's so touchy feely, but they have really, really powerful experiences with it because it is a lot of times, like we didn't get that pat on the head as a kid, specifically for us guys, right. Our fathers, most of the time, not all the time, they didn't give up that stuff. They didn't tell us like, Hey, I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. It was based on the fact that, like, hey, you hit a triple in baseball, good job, right? It was always based on some type of performance or attribute type thing. Or, like, you know, he's dating, you know, a beautiful girl in high school, and his dad's like, hey, man, good job, right? And then that's just reinforced for us for the rest of our lives. Internal validation is needed. I think men, if they're not also hearing it from their friends, they should also start off by making it normal within their friend group or that's a hard one too. Like in other ways that are like, I guess, manly. Or like so they're if they're not getting that at home, they should appreciate things in their girl and then be the example. And then she'll be like, Okay, he said this, so like let me appreciate him about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's tough for guys to do that, but it can be changed within friend groups, right? But one of the ways that a lot of guys, including my boys, right? I mean, my board of directors, my the group I'm around, man, we're vicious to each other, right? Nothing is safe. But at the same time, because I'm surrounded by guys who are really kind of in touch with themselves and have done a lot of work, right? You know, we're successful businessmen. A lot of these guys have families and they're having kids and everything else like that. But when shit hits the fan, we squat up for each other but in like a healthy way, yeah. right? In a healthy way of showing emotion and feeling and really being honest with each other. And I think that's something that, again, specifically from the peer standpoint, is really difficult for guys to do. It's a tough one. You know, that's yeah. the thing is like, we don't, this is an emerging field. I mean, we've had men's psychology and men's issue stuff 
since the late 70s, early 80s. And it's gone through a lot of different changes. But the thing is that as we continue to keep putting this movement out there, it's going to take time for it to be adopted into society, specifically with specific, uh, be careful here, um, political ideologies that are fighting back against this movement of men becoming you know, more mindful and integrated, which is like really adhering to like very conservative, traditional masculine ideals. And the science behind it just proves the fact that it's just terrible. It's not healthy for guys that adhere to those traditional masculine roles. There's yeah. a plethora of studies that show they don't live as long. Their quality of life is not as good. The people around them aren't happy. It's not good at all. It's a weird time for sure because I feel like we're in this mindfuck as to like what is masculinity? Is it like even in China, I think it was that they were trying to teach masculinity like at school because men weren't being in their eyes masculine. Yeah. Like people are being emasculated with the whole male toxicity thing and the whole like gender fluid thing and it's like what is that what does that even mean like do you just define yourself so we're definitely like in a crisis yeah because i because i don't adhere to the whole idea of toxic masculinity right i don't like that phrase at all and i've gone back and forth over it like if you go to my instagram from like a year ago i made a whole reel about toxic masculinity but i've really changed my tune on it when we are trying to change something and telling guys that they're toxic that's shame. That's shame-based. Nobody's want to actually admit that they're toxic, right? So we call it like problematic masculinity. That's much easier and softer of a way of doing it because the whole idea, if we're trying to get more men into therapy, if we're calling them toxic, they're not going to want to admit that they're toxic and get help. It's just another way of shaming people who really, really need the help that they need. So I don't use that phrase anymore, right? I don't use the phrase toxic masculinity. I use problematic masculinity as a phrase. That's a really right. good point. I'm going to start using that because I can yeah. see how because women like this whole like toxic women thing. It's kind of like a joke. You know what I mean? Like people are like, yeah. oh, she's or like she, you know, pop my tires, like, haha, whatever. You know what I mean? Like women are right. about same <laughs> in a way. Right. And yeah. it's like people like that. Like people kind of feed into it, into that. But with men, it's become like this scary thing. Yeah, because the thing like, look at it. if you look at like violent, you know, like crime. You know, you look at the murders that, you know, are perpetrated against women. You know, it's like, I think it's like 80% of them are done by either an ex or the current intimate partner, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the, you look at the, you know, how women are, you know, being harmed. No shit you guys are afraid of men, right? It makes complete sense. A hundred percent, right? But the thing is, is that like, unless we actually start to move towards some of our focus onto men, right? These problems are never going to get solved. You know, it's yeah. like we're deemed we're deemed as the enemy. Why would we want to help the enemy, which is completely ass backwards, right? Completely. I mean, we look at you know like uh, mentorship programs in inner cities, right? These young men whose fathers are most likely in prison, right? Which is literally just exacerbating the problem in the first place, right? We give them mentors. These guys don't join gangs. They don't get involved in crime. They don't do that thing. They just need a, some guidance. Mm -hmm. To like have them shown like, hey, this is what a man looks like. This is what a man does. It helps them to kind of, kind of navigate the extremely, extremely adversarial society that we have against men of color. Right. And then that trickles down into all the other problems that we have. But that's the thing. I get a lot of shit for focusing on men's issues. 
right? There's some female, you know, clinicians that I know that are pretty like the hardcore, you know, feminist side to where like they're not true feminists, right? They're like kind of man haters. And I'm like, well, what do you think the problem is? Men. Okay, so why are we not focusing on that? Right. Everyone, you know, we there's so many other people that focus on when and much needed, right? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but like on like a lot of the other different marginalized groups that are here in the United States that are suffering. And and thank God for that. But mm-hmm. the thing is that if we're not addressing the problem of men's pain, those things are just going to continue to keep happening. We got to attack it at its source. Yeah, I 100% agree. Women need to stop saying that men are trash because we're feeding into it and we're just also accepting less because mm-hmm. like, women just accept that that's just the way it is and it's just going to keep on happening and it's not okay. We need to yeah. stop. Like it ends with like we need to increase our expectations and our standards and also, you know, walk it how you talk it as a woman, mm-hmm. you know, don't allow men to mistreat you, like know what you're worth. Like we yep. said, the bad bitch and, you know, be intentional with the people you surround yourself with and really try to understand men and hear them out and let them like be a person that they can talk to. Cause a lot of men right. don't. And it's hard, right? It, re- it really is, right? Even dating in today's day and age, like I you know, mentioned, you know, it's hard, right? I don't know how to act, right? You know, like I was listening to another podcast with another man, uh, clinician for men, and I really related to what he was talking about. He's like, when I go out on dates, like some women just want to be kissed, right? And in some women, if you just try to kiss them, they're going to say you violated their boundaries and you have to ask first. It's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Right. I don't know how to act. Like, what does dating look like in 2023 with everything that's been going on? It's very confusing, which is the whole idea is like, we don't have a specific model that guys can turn to, to act appropriately. Right. And of course, like we always want to be respectful of boundaries and do those things like that. Right. But how are we supposed to know who adheres to a much more traditional role to where, you know, the man has to make the first move and, you know, be a man, don't ask permission, just kiss me, just take me kind of thing. Right. When a lot of other women would want to be like, hey, like, you know, I really had a great time tonight. Like, can I kiss you? That is like, so... It's very it's very <laughs> difficult to navigate. Right. Yeah. It, it gives me anxiety. Like, I don't want to be fucking labeled as, you know, a me too guy because I kissed her against her boundaries and I didn't communicate. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's either like people usually aren't in the middle. They're either like, you know, politically to the left or to the right. And like women, they're either like not for it or they're completely for it and very aggressive. Mm-hmm. oh yeah like i could see that you would as a man if a guy didn't make the first move that he's like a pussy or like a woman's gonna think she's not good enough or wasn't attracted it's like so many miscommunications that are just like yeah. crazy to me but and that's where the communication i think comes into play right i always err on the side of caution right yeah i always do because it's also also the type of woman or the type of women that i date right they're definitely much more on a certain, you know, side, much more like open and available and et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it's like, I'm not really dating or moving towards partners who are going to adhere to those traditional roles. Like I need someone who's awake, right? Personally. So it doesn't help me navigate a little bit better, but it's stuff that I hear in the rooms with my guys, right? They don't know what to do and how to act. It's yeah, very that's, confusing. That's so true. So yeah. this was great episode i'm gonna ask you one last thing and then we can tell people where to find you but i want to ask what are self-care tips for men oh 
Hmm. That's a large question, right? Because self-care is something that I really focus on a lot with my guys. I think the biggest component is they got to figure out how to ways to fill their cup up, right? A lot of times guys are pouring their cups out, they're working, they're, you know, doing all of these other things for other people, but they're not giving them the sp- space to actually have fun and decompress, right? And that comes down to like targeting their mind, their body, and the spirit, right? A lot of guys, they got no problem hitting body, right? They're spending two or three hours in the gym. They're doing this and that to get the tattoos, the six packs. I'm guilty of all that stuff too. But if they're not focusing on their mind and their spirit, which challenging themselves intellectually or reading or, you know, watching movies, the things that they like or really embracing things that really fill up their heart and their spirit, they're going to be empty. They're going to be, you know, one dimensional people. So a lot of times like I'll talk to you, I was like, hey, man, was last time you got a massage, you know, go sat at the beach, you know, you just went for a walk in the woods. Right. When was the last time you took a bath, dude? Right. Look, oh, I'm not doing baths. I'm like, damn, man, I love it. Right. I'll hit my cold plunge and then go take a hot bath. You kidding? I got candles going. I'm kicking it, dude. I burn a little incense. I'm vibing out, man. I'm kicking back. So it really comes down to like if we're pouring, if you're pouring your cup out on a daily basis and you're not taking actual ways and action to fill your cup up for you, you're not going to be able to pour it out for anybody else. So if there's any like one specific thing, because I could probably do another four hours on self-care, it does come down to just asking you the question and then for the women too, how are you filling your cup up? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important because men, I don't think that they care for themselves. Like they're always kind of being pressured to do things for other people and not themselves. Also women Mm -hmm. in like as mothers and stuff, but of course men get like, they get like the short end of the stick yeah we're not allowed to do that kind of stuff yeah exactly like you guys right because also a lot of yeah a lot of the other stuff that they're going to do is it's going to be self-improvement self-improvement is perfectionistic in the standpoint right that's that i'm not good enough and if i have the six-pack i'll be good enough self-care is nurturing i'm already good enough and i'm going to take care of myself and decompress and relax and do x y or z because i deserve it that's the difference between self-care and self-improvement. We need self-care, less self-improvement. I love that. That's good. Because also for me, like, I feel like I'm always trying to, like, be better, do better. But I'm fine the way I am. It's also down to, like, acceptance of where I'm at yep. at the moment. Listen, I do, and personal development and growth is something that I'm always – I'm a voracious reader. I take care of my body. I take care of my mind. But I, can, I was literally talking to a guy earlier tonight about it. I was like, dude, I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to sit on the couch, right? I already worked out today. I did all that kind of stuff. I'm going to watch an episode or two of the Great British Baking Show, right? Some mindless shit that's like feel goody. And I can just turn my brain off for a little while just to kind of fill it up a little bit, right? Even though I hate some of the hosts on that show, but it's still like, all right, I'm going to make watch them make some cookies. I don't know, right? <laughs> watch Parks and Rec. Watch Always Sunny. Do something to kind of kick back and just relax a little bit. Right? Yeah. And then I'll read before I go to sleep just because I, I have to, right? Yeah. But I definitely do things like that. That's just not really, you know, leveling me up. It's definitely part of the decompression and just kind of, you know, letting myself mellow out a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much yeah. for And we'll do a second episode on narcissism, which I think is also very good, a good topic. Where yes. can people find you? So you can find me at my website, which I'm actually having rebuilt right now. Um, so I'll have a big boy, nice website in a couple of weeks, but it's going to be dudebreathecounseling.com. 
or you can find me on Instagram at Dude Breathe Counseling. I have a lot of resources and reels up there. Um, share it. You can also find the link to my PDF called Cracking the Code, um, Encouraging Men to Therapy, which is completely free, right? A lot of research is in it. I spent a lot of time on it. And that's going to be on my Instagram profile underneath my link tree. That's a really great resource. Tons of people have been signing up for it and they're really getting it out there. So I'm really happy and proud about that. Great. Thank you for all that you do. You're definitely helping people. And we're here to just, you know, be better for the next generation and heal our problems because, you know, it doesn't end with just women, you know, healing themselves. But thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it.